Welcome to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast, your source for helping you dominate and insulate your growing practice through two pillars of success, systems and marketing. And now here's your host, Dr. Peter Bolden. All right, today, ladies and gentlemen, from the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast, we have Kent Miller from Dentographics. Ken is actually in Austin, Texas. The company is based in, you say Akron, Ohio, Ken? Akron, Ohio. Yep. And you guys have been in business uh, how, how many years now? Uh, we're going on three years now. Three years. All right, cool. So I actually found you guys, which is the reason the, the reason I wanted to get you on the podcast. I actually found you guys when I was sitting in a lecture, well, a, a summit that Mark Costas had put on. Uh, he puts on something from his Dental Success Institute. It's a summit every year. And I was sitting next to a guy in the audience um, who I told you, I've, you know, who referred me. And, and I was looking at this report that he was looking at. And I said, man, that's, that's the prettiest looking user-friendly demographic report I've ever seen. And so he let me kind of peek at it. Actually, he sent it to me. And then, you know, when the, when the need arose in my life to have it done, you know, you guys have, you guys have come through. And I, I think I've done a whole bunch through you guys now, <laughs> haven't I? Um, we are, yeah, we are familiar, but uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, man, that's, it's just, it's just cool. So what was, what was really, why did you guys create the Dentographics? I mean, it's a super niche, you know, I think the name is awesome, like Dentographics, like, you know, there's, there's a, there's a super niche just for the Dentographics of Dentistry, which is awesome. So like, why did, why was it created? Sure. And quickly, I want to say again, um, thank you for having me and it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Denographics was created, my personal background is in economic development and urban planning. So I previously worked for a nonprofit that was charged with essentially doing the same thing in the public sector. So we would identify underserved neighborhoods in Ohio and what those needs that may have been that were not being met were traditionally things like um, the really popular one at the time was grocery stores and food deserts. So we would find neighborhoods of 30,000 or 40,000 residents where there wasn't any access to traditional food sources, uh, fresh food or supermarkets. Now that's the really, I I think that's an example that people may be more familiar with, but I also conducted that same project for other types of businesses like hardware stores and dental practices And uh, I had a friend at the time who was, he's still my friend, I should rephrase that, he's still my friend, who was in the dental industry. And he he saw what I was doing and said, hey, you know, this would be really cool. I think you've got some great potential to translate this into the private sector with a particular industry. So I sat down with him and a few other people who knew something about getting a business started and how to run a business and three years later, here we are. Who, who came up with like the visual background? I'm getting kind of off topic of what I want to ask you, but like who came up? I mean, that was cool to kind of put a nice usable interface and kind of a, I don't know, like layman's terms. And, you know, in my reports, mm-hmm. I kind of have layman's terms as opposed to like some data that I don't understand. You know, and <laughs> you guys made it very just user friendly, you know? And so, I mean, I, I don't know who's, I guess it doesn't matter whose idea it was, but it's, it's a super cool interface that the, the, what you guys have and the reports you give. So Kent, having, now that I've had several reports now, I was blown away with a couple things. Well, 
mainly number one, I was blown away with the gut. I mean, I've lived in Atlanta my entire life and I was blown away with my gut, what I thought was just an amazing location versus an actual data, even though I've lived in this area, like I said, my entire life. So how often, I guess my question is, so how often when, when dentists are kind of making the biggest investment in their lives, do you see them just opening shop where they think or their gut tells them it will be good? Yeah. So that's, uh, we, we certainly see a lot of that and an untold number that we never hear from that open up their practice without having any prior research conducted. But we do hear from a lot of doctors who come to us because we, we do offer a number of services that intended to start you from, hey, I want to open in the Atlanta area or in the Austin area. Where should I look for real estate? All the way to the specific report that you're talking about where we're looking at a particular property and assessing its level of opportunity and who the patient base is and who the competition is. So we certainly see a, a quite a few doctors who come to us and say, hey, I'm familiar with, you know, I, I live in this neighborhood and I practiced here as an associate for five years. I think this would be a good place to open a practice. And we say, well, actually, it's, it's pretty competitive. And we do include a consultation call with each of our reports. So I'll be having that conversation or, or somebody on my team will be having that conversation with the doctor. And they're like, yeah, you know, I. I guess uh, I'd seen a lot of dental offices, but I sort of never realized just how many there were and how that matches up with the population that's living here. So thank you very much for letting me know that if I do choose to make this investment, that I'm, you know, it's, it's a more competitive market than average. Or, hey, great, thank you for assuring me that this is a fantastic location and, and my gut was right. And that's nice when those happen too. Yeah. I mean, that, like I said, that, that happened for me and it was, like I said, it kind of blew me away. So there, yeah, there, there's, there's two kind of methodologies, I guess you could have someone come into you saying like, Hey, I kind of like this area. Where would be my best opportunity given the demographics? Right. And so you can kind of laser focus them on certain, certain areas in a big, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's pretty open-ended, I guess I'm guessing. Yes. Right? So like, yeah, that's, that'd be more challenging on your end. I would say. <laughs> right. So in, in that case, what we need to do is figure out really where their interest lies. And we might hear from a lot of doctors that they're interested in anywhere in the Austin metropolitan area, or they might say, Hey, I've, I've been thinking about a particular mix of these suburbs and we can always customize to whatever area the doctor's interested in. I believe the way that you found out about us was uh, through another doctor who you had just coincidentally met. And actually with, with him, we, we did a really large area where he said, hey, I'm open to anything in this huge region. Tell me where the best places are to open a practice. But I also want to grow to a number of locations right. uh, over the next couple of years. So I'd like this to be sort of my roadmap for where I should be. Yeah. And, and yeah, that was, uh, and so the other, the other way, obviously, like you just discussed is, 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 is the way I needed it. It was just checking that, checking that location and, and seeing if it's a good, a good fit. So looking at the data, kind of, I'm looking at one of your reports right now, or, I mean, I mean, the things that stuck out to me, can you go over the top three most important for 
let's say for the viewers or the listeners rather who are who are listening to this and if they're in the market for a new practice but they're not really you know not at the level of wanting to go through a demographic report or whatever let's just say what are the things that you think you know as you do, do these reports all the time that that someone should focus on like is it residents per dental office is it employees per dental office you know you have a you have a luxury brand index on here that that I really liked to look at because that kind of is a resonates more with my my practice and stuff like that. So can you distill it down that much, Kent? I think so. And there will be particular pieces of information that are more important to particular practices. So in your case, your brand is associated sort of as a cosmetic high-end luxury practice. So that that piece of information is a little more important to you than maybe just an everyday general family dental practice. The three, though, that we're generally looking for across the vast majority of our reports would be saturation. So residents per dental office and then the two that provide context to that. So these are with residents per dental office. We're looking for particular numbers usually. And the other two factors are sort of adjusters to what number we're looking for in terms of saturation. And those two Mm -hmm. factors are income or demand. Uh, So we're also looking at demand for dental as measured by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So we take income in in that measurement uh, in order to assess demand and then population density. And to, to describe these particular scenarios, a location that offers 3,000 residents per dental office in an area where the population is only 6,000 residents is very different from another area where the same ratio, we find that same ratio of 3,000 to one, but the population is 150,000. Okay. And, Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, yeah. meaning, is there a superior scenario? Yes, the, the metric is still the same, or the number or the ratio is still the same, I should say, but. But the, but the output may be quite different. Yeah, elaborate on that for me if you wouldn't mind. Yes, absolutely. So we would, we would generally much prefer the scenario with the 100 or 150,000 residents, the more densely populated area. And there's a few reasons for that. But really what it translates to is a more degree or a higher degree of certainty. So when we're looking at 100 or 150,000 residents, there's kind of a larger margin of error. If one new practice moves in, it's no big deal. It uh, won't really affect the ratio, the, the competition ratios very much. Whereas if you're in an area of only a few thousand residents, you've really got to do a great job at capturing that local population. If there's some reason that you can't reach them due to insurance or, or, or something along those lines, then you've really put yourself at a lot of risk. And same thing, if, if a new competitor moves in, if somebody else doesn't do their research and they move in and all of a sudden you're in a town of 5,000 people with three dental offices, that's a very, very competitive environment. And the same factor, this, the same way, or this works the same way with income. So again, we're adjusting the level of saturation that we'd be looking for based on what is the demand for dental services. So in an area of 3,000 to one saturation where income is $30,000 a year, it's very different than that same level of competition where the level of income, median household income is $100,000 a year. Yep. Fair enough. That makes, that makes, and obviously do you see more saturation? I mean, everyone wants to go where they have obviously the best chances. So do you see more competition as the household income rises typically? Generally, yes. 
you know, there's, there's a million different locations out there and sort of what we're trying to do is find the best match, of course, for your practice strategy, but also the highest level of demand with lowest level of supply. So it's not a, it's not a perfect market, but generally speaking, yes, higher income leads to higher saturation. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I discovered in one of my, my reports. One of the coolest things I think that I was kind of blown away too with your reports when I got it is the fact that it went beyond you know, yes, it told me about the demographics of the area, which would have been sufficient, honestly. But then you guys went so far as to vet the the practices that would be potentially the vet, meaning call them and make sure they're a legit office, but look at all the competition, track them, see what they're spending in terms of their, their AdWords expense, their Google reviews, Google rating, Yelp reviews, all that stuff. And it gives it a kind of a competitive marketing analysis at the same time. And why I liked that was because there are some dentists that, you know, as dentists who are listening to this, they everyone knows the guy who just has a sign up and really isn't doesn't have a website isn't really competing in that space and so you know i can i sometimes say well they're, maybe they're full or they're not they're not competitive so it helps me digest or, or interpret all the way through kind of looking at all those all those practices like which ones are going to be real players or i.e. competition and which ones are, are essentially not going to be because for whatever reason, right? So that's a super cool. Why did you guys decide to, I mean, obviously I know why you decided to incorporate that, but that's a lot of extra work for y'all. <laughs> it is, but we, we saw that this wasn't anything that anybody else, this was something that nobody else was doing. And mm-hmm. it was really a, a vitally important piece of information. So not only in the report are you figuring out, is this a competitive market or not, but who are these competitors? And is this a doctor who is close to retirement and he's only open two or three days a week, just kind of practicing part-time, not taking new patients? Or is this a, a big corporate practice that's only a mile away. And when I look into it further, it looks like they've got a a couple of doctors there full-time five days a week. So yeah, as you said, it was really a a lot of extra context to provide to the report and an extra degree of certainty. Right. The other thing that blew me away was, wow, how many dentists just do not have websites or reviews or like, that's such a low hanging fruit for me in terms of, of a marketing aspect. I just can't believe it when I see like the bulk of the bulk of the people that you listed in all of my reports in Atlanta, you know, it's not, is obviously a competitive area. It was, it was pretty, pretty remarkable in my opinion. So can't, you know, that I have a kind of a practice in a rural area, you know, North of Atlanta and in the towns uh, of a town, I'm sorry, the city of Atlanta. So obviously I kind of familiar with a rural market town market and a city market. And there's three different kind of, I don't know, three different kind of villages or niches, if you, if you would, for, for dentistry, you know, kind of more urban, kind of more kind of neighborhood and then more rural. So where do you see, you know, you do reports all the time. So if you had to kind of put those in three buckets, do you see where there's a lot more opportunity in, in one area or another, meaning that cities get saturated first and there's a lot more opportunity in a rural area, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So let me let me provide a little bit of a disclaimer first and then I'll elaborate. So we do see opportunity in all types of environments in terms of density. So you could be in Buckhead or you could be in Midtown Atlanta, or you could be in a really low density, small town 
out in the middle of nowhere environment and, and we might have positive findings or vice versa. You could be in really upscale urban area or a really small town and we might have really poor findings. Generally, though, we see the best opportunity in rapidly developing areas, whether that's suburban environments or exurban environments, sort of small towns that are close to major cities, but they're not they're not really connected directly to that city. And the reason for that is that you'll see residential development as sort of that first line of development. So maybe it was a farm field a few years ago. And since then, over time, new single family homes have been built or or new residential development has been built. And at that point, that's when commercial developers will come in and start to build. So you'll find, and we do find communities of five or, or, or 10,000 to one type saturation in some of these environments. Not that they'll necessarily stay that way forever, but it's, it's this flash of opportunity to establish yourself in these really uncompetitive markets. And we do see that, again, in, in small towns as well, where you might, particularly if they're further removed from a city, you might expect that level of competition to last a little bit longer. So generally, it's, it's suburban environments and small towns. But across the country, the hottest markets that we see are normally those where residential development has just flown up overnight and commercial development is just now kind of catching up. So is that is that more of a growth in the past couple of years that you have? I know you guys measure growth in the past, like I'm looking at a report here where the growth in the past six years versus you have a number here for forecasted growth. So are you, are you talking about the forecasted growth may trump that? Is that what you're saying? It's more so about that growth over the last five or, or six years because those residents are there and the commercial market, the, the market for commercial development is now reacting to the presence of those residents. Now, in the forecasted future, that is a great number for looking at what you might expect on the ground once you actually make the investment. So we'll say, hey, growth in this area was really strong. And we found this residential community of 10,000 residents. And there's only one existing practice right now. So 5,000 to one if, if you were to open your practice there. And when you actually go and look at space in that area, this is kind of the marriage between demographics and what's on the ground, which is kind of more a, a real estate piece of information. Your real estate agent might say, yeah, the, you know, the growth looks great. And by the way, I happen to know that they're building more apartments right across the street over here and there's going to be the grocery store. So yeah, what we're, what we're generally looking for is that growth over the last five or six years, which translates into saturation and a low level of competition. But also, of course, we want to see continued growth to know that if you move in and one other office moves in, hopefully it's not going to be a saturated market that quickly. Right. You can sustain it can the market can sustain both of those even or whatever it can. The growth will, will follow commensurate with the, with the competition Correct. almost. Right. Yeah. Correct. Okay. You know, I really have to say if anyone any listener is thinking about expansion, thinking about an acquisition even. You know, I looked at one even for an acquisition of an existing just to see where the growth would be. You know, new office, startup, whatever it may be. If you're thinking of something, you know, where you just want to get some data, these are the guys to to reach out to. Kent, would you mind? I want to go through a quick – I want to – is there anything else, Kent, you want to, you want to talk about that may be a – 
you know, a unique feature that we didn't discuss sure. in terms of even demographics or or your product specifically? Sure. So I, I think you touched on one piece of information quickly, and that is the extent that we go to to verify competition, which is we have our own software, which is written by our team, which runs a search through a number of databases. Some are kind of obvious databases that you would think of. Others are a little bit less obvious. And it compiles a list, which we then have a research team go through and verify that these are general dental offices or the orthodontic offices, whatever your specialty, uh, we work in all specialties, and that they are located at the address that we have on file. Somebody answers the phone and says, hey, thank you for calling Dr. Bolden's office. Beyond that, we also include with our initial reports, so we offer three reports as we've kind of touched on here, uh, access to an interactive map. So when you order a report, you automatically create an account with us where you can choose how the variables are weighted and see in live time how that affects your results. We'll provide you with our recommended formula within, in the report based on your practice strategy and the local area. But if the results are, let's say you think, hey, these are kind of higher income areas than I was thinking, um, you can log into your account online and reweight median household income, for instance, and see how that affects your results right then and there. Right. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I actually did that because there were things that you guys put in there by default. And I, I wanted to look at, you know, okay, yeah, I'm not so concerned about the competition, but I am concerned about the luxury price index. So I weighted that, you know, higher, I, I believe that I did. And so I love that you guys can kind of titrate your results based on what is important to the end user or end dentist. So that is, that is super cool. That interactive, uh, the, uh, I guess is you know, the interactive, when you log in your account, you'll see it. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's just super cool. And that is different than it. I think that's, what's blown away me and some of my colleagues that have used you is that that is the differentiating factor of some of the demographic reports I've gotten. Usually, usually I just get it. I've gotten in the past, just a, a Excel spreadsheet that has a bunch of numbers. And I'm like, am I really supposed to sit here and digest through this? Like, it's not, I can't really make sense of it, but you guys kind of make sense of it really quickly. And like I say, in layman's terms, um, I was able to digest it pretty easily. Lastly, I love how you give kind of a, you know, your own, since you guys do this day in and day out, I like how you kind of give your personal opinion about, you know, your recommendation for this location or not. And that's, you know, a nice 30,000 foot view for, hey, doc, thumbs up or, hey, doc, pump the brakes or, hey, doc, put it in reverse kind of thing. And I think that's cool. How is that? Is that done too by just, is it just subjective? You know, well, the, the uh, thing at the end I'm talking yeah, about. Sure. The, so there's a few different <laughs> there are a few different factors that we incorporate in that rating. Of course, some of those are what we have already talked about, so the demographics, the level of competition. But then also we're looking at your practice strategy, is this a good fit for your practice strategy? So if you're an orthodontist or you're a pediatric dentist, and there aren't a lot of children, or the average household size is, is very low, the median age is very high, maybe this isn't a great fit for your practice strategy, or you're a Medicaid practice, and median household income is really high, and you want to target a Medicaid patient base. Maybe it's, although it's a, an opportune location for general dentistry, maybe it doesn't fit your particular practice strategy. We're also looking at local context. So we know that 
some markets are more competitive than others. And so we like to assess sort of an opportunity cost. So if you're in a really opportune market and you and we find kind of an average or even below average property, we'll tell you that, hey, I think you know you could probably keep looking and find something else more opportune relative to your practice strategy and where you'd like to be. Now, on the contrary, if you're in a really competitive market, we know that. And we're not going to tell you to keep looking, going on an endless search for a property that doesn't exist if you want to be located in that market, if that's where your roots are, if that's where you would like to practice. So it adjusts to a, to a number of factors, primarily being industry standards, context to the in context to both the local and national market. Love it. I love it. Data data is just awesome. And you know, this this podcast is really about kind of the systems and the marketing for a practice, but you know, data data supports all that. Um, so I'm a big fan of kind of the numbers and you guys are you guys were spot on. And so I I appreciate your time. Ken, I wanna I wanna go through three speed round questions that I do at the end with every guest. Are you game? Let's do it. Favorite book. Oh uh The Submission by uh Amy Walden. The Submission. Wow. What's what's that about? I gotta, I gotta stop the speed round. What's that about? <laughs> uh it's a book I read a few years ago. I just happened to be at the library and it was on display, so I Picked up the back, read it, thought it sounded interesting, and ended up being my favorite book. It's actually about, at the time, by the way, I, w- I was working primarily with architects um, and landscape um, architects. So uh, it's, it's sort of a discussion in, in that realm. And okay. uh, it's, it's about a, a 9-11 memorial. It's an anonymous submission contest. And it, it has parallels to the Vietnam War Memorial. And I don't, I don't want to get too political or anything, but it's an anonymous contest. And right before the jury selects their design, they find out that the creator of the memorial is Muslim. And is that controversial or not? Will it, what kind of public outcry will there be? They already selected this guy, so it's a it's a really interesting read, Whoa. and I think it does a good job of sort of simulating what might happen in the real world. I love that you gave me kind of a, a fictionish book versus like you know people are always like oh my favorite book is how to win F- friends and influence people you know you get that, <laughs> I love that you gave me kind of a a fun a fun book that kind of makes your mind go creative. All right. Second question, your favorite productivity tool. Obviously, you're you're into tech and data. Your favorite productivity tool or app or software that you use every day or could not live without? Google Drive. It's free up to, uh, I, I think, uh, 15 gigabytes or something like that. Uh, and it allows my team, whether they're in Austin or they're in Ohio, or we have a guy who he lives in Austin, but he's in Europe right now. And um it allows us to edit the same, collaborate and edit the same documents at the same time and uh, always be on the same page together. Yeah. And that is different than, you know, I was thinking like, okay, like a Dropbox, but you're right. Like with the, with the docs and the Excel spreadsheets, you can like have a bunch of people live, live, uh, you know, all collaborating live and on the same, that is pretty cool. And then where do you see the future of dentistry? This is going to be a, a, a good one for me to ask you. Where do you see the future of dentistry given that you have, look at all this data. Do you see it going, and I'll give you an example. Do you see it heading more towards corporate, you know, corporate takeover and just bigger offices being gobbled up and then consolidated? Or do you see it going back to more of a cottage industry? I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you don't want to comment on this, but you know, (laughs) it's a tough one, right? But like, where do you see the future of dentistry given the context of where 
of what you are in. Yeah, I think it's I think it's both. So I think where at least we see more and more of our clients coming from are sort of mid-size purchasing groups. So maybe they're not the um, big corporate chains that everybody is familiar with, but they are a partnership of 10 or 20 dentists. And um, they've got quite a few locations between them. But I also I also think that there is a place for, as you said, the cottage industry, the sole practitioner. And, and that's where, so I, I see most of the growth, I, I think, probably being in that middle tier. But I think there's a place on both ends of the spectrum for corporate dentistry as well as the uh, sole practitioner. That's good to hear. I mean, I, and I do like to hear that because honestly, I have to tell you, you know, I talk to a lot of dentists and I, as do you, but I guess I talk to them in a different context sometimes. And, you know, and there is a fear, you know, kind of, of, of corporate takeover because of the buying power and the money power and the Wall Street behind it. And so sometimes we as dentists get kind of a little freaked out, like, wow. But I think there's always going to be, I think there's always going to be some strength in that cottage industry, you know, relationship-based practice that we, we kind of all grown up with. So I like to hear that because I think that's what's the... I think that's what's special about dentistry. I really do. So dentographics.com is is the website. If anyone has any additional questions, would you mind if they reached out to you? And, and how should they do that? Via email or something? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can shoot me an email at kent, K-E-N-T, at dentographics.com. Awesome. Buddy, I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, you gave a lot of value today. And I appreciate that. And I look forward to, I look forward to sending you some more requests for reports. So. <laughs> All right. Great. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me and uh, looking forward to those reports as well. Yeah, buddy. Take care. All right. Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your host, Dr. Peter Bolden, online at BulletproofDentalPractice.com. We'll catch you next time.